0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelei Weissel-Labrizzi. And I'm Crystallano. This is a very special episode of the Vorthos cast, uh, brought to you by the estrogen still dissolving under my tongue. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, this, is, this is our last episode before uh, we are live in Philadelphia at MagicCon Philly in February. Nineteenth, is that the date? That is the date. Sunday at noon. Sunday at noon. We have a panel that. uh What is it called? <laughs> I don't hold know on. what it's called. I know hold on, hold on, it's... hold on. I'm gonna, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it. All right, this is important. Uh, MagicCon Philadelphia panels. Uh, bop bop boop. It's called the Road to March of the Machine. Uh, on the main stage, twelve noon, Sunday, February 29th, with us, Magic's longest running story podcast, the Porthos Cast. Uh we'll be uh, all five of us will be there uh live talking about Magic Story from War of the Spark through Phyrexia All Will Be One. So if uh, if you were there, uh come see our show and we're we're going to get everyone ready, make sure everyone knows what's going on for March of the Machine uh, to hit the ground running narratively. And uh, it's going to be a good time. We've got a fun presentation lined up. I'm very excited for it. I don't know if it's getting recorded or streamed or anything like that. Uh, I hope so. Um, if it is, we will definitely shout out that somewhere. Um but otherwise, uh, that's that's our big big news thing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind
1: of funny that like there will not be a new episode of the podcast next week. Uh, but if you're a live listener, uh, there's a chance that you could be a super live listener. You could be uh-huh. like in the room while we do an episode of the podcast, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. So live listen taken to a whole new level.
0: Yeah, uh, live listen instead of hearing. Our voices, uh, while hearing a mechanical element resonate the air around your ears to sound like our voices, you can actually see the radiation that our bodies reflect. It's great. It's going to be great. Um, (laughs) We do have a not live show this week, though. Right now, you're in the middle of it. Well, you're at the beginning of it, but you know, it's a turn of phrase. Um we are talking about the side stories of Hyrexia All Will Be One. Uh there are five of them this time around, like normal. Uh we have two of them that center on the commander deck face cards. Uh that's a thing that's been happening a lot. Uh, and then we have three that fill in kind of uh, some parts for the main story that aren't part of the main story. Like, if, <laughs> it's hard to say that there's five main stories and five side stories. Yeah. And, like, there, there's a version of it where, well, the main story was all written by John Maguire, and each of these five stories is written by a different author. So, like, like, part kind of makes sense. But, like, narratively, three of these side stories really are part of the narrative that's being told in Phyrexia all will be one uh
1: i i could argue that one of the side stories is absolutely phyrexia all will be one one of them is kind of uh like continuation of the bro story uh and so is the another one in a way because of the, you know the authors <laughs> as well um yeah but yeah you yeah. know it's it's it's
0: good is really the main takeaway here these are really good <laughs> side stories uh-huh um i think uh I think we, had, so we had, we had six different authors on this set. And I think they're all returning authors, uh, which is, which is neat. Um, I don't know if magic has done that before. I, I don't know. I do know that
1: one of them is returning for the first time in a very long time. So uh, that's yeah. really
0: cool. Did, would Would you like to talk about this story then? Uh, a story titled Cinders by Cassandra Kaw, who, uh, they have not written magic stories since the, um, the, the three Vivian stories uh, that I think were around Ixalan ish. Um, uh,
1: they came out after that, but it's been a while. I think um, the Unbowed
0: series, oh God, when did those come out? They were
1: 2018.
0: So or was I guess that, like. Was that like right before uh, Ravnica? I think it was like, yeah, I think it was before Ravnica. Now, time is fake, whatever.
1: Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, Cassandra Call, they wrote uh, a series of stories about Vivian called Unbowed that were really excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we covered them on the podcast at some point. back did. in Like the single digit episodes, probably. So mm-hmm. go back and give a listen to those. Uh, love those stories. But this time we have Cassandra Call writing a story called Cinder's about one of the Commander Precon face cards. Well, not about the card, but the character. Uh, Nayali. So, uh, Neali is the commander leader face card of the red, white, uh, commander deck. Uh, it, she is a Volshock. She is a leader of a group of like Mirren survivors that are living in the autonomous for, uh, furnace or what used to be known as the furnace lair or the quiet furnace, whatever. Uh, it's got a bunch of names, um, but, uh, they're not doing so hot. Uh, we kind of know this from the main story that the Mirren resistance is sort of on their last leg. They're really struggling. You can tell in the card set by the fact that, like, I think, like, 90% of creature cards are Phyrexians. This mm-hmm. is a real tough time to be a Mirren. Uh, but Niali's leading kind of a group of survivors. There's some, like, really hardened Volshock battle people in there. Uh, but one of her team, uh, Rayana, has disappeared. And Niali, you know, of course, is very concerned because if someone on your team disappears uh, when you're one of these, like, little mirin camps, uh, they're probably dead, like probably 90% of the time. And so she goes running off and she finds Rihanna uh, sort of on this like expanse of a bridge cliff area where Rihanna is talking to a Phyrexian. Uh, she's being sort of coaxed, you know, come hither, come hither by this Phyrexian creature. Uh, of course, Neali s- strikes and kills it. Uh, but it turns out um, that was Rihanna's mom. Rihanna's mom had been taken in by the Phyrexians and completed. And uh, she wasn't even like attacking Neali. She wasn't like trying to like infect her. She was just beckoning her to join Phyrexia, uh, sort of trying to tell her, hey, you can leave all of this behind. We do find out that Rihanna's mom had been really struggling to deal with all of the horrors of Phyrexia. Very understandable, really. Um and was incredibly stressful and feared fearful and was just having a bad time. Uh, and you kind of get an idea that maybe Nayali is also, or Rihanna is also uh, thinking some of these thoughts of like, why do we even try? What's the point? Uh, later Rihanna runs off again and Nayali and some of her group agreed to sort of do this very dangerous mission to go and track her down. They believe she's gone off to, uh, one of the forge areas specifically sort of like a scrap forge where like all the old Phyrexians they don't want anymore get boiled down into new Phyrexians. Um, I mean, that's misleading. All of the new Phyrexians they don't want anymore get boiled down into newer Phyrexians. Um, And they track her down and they, uh, they find her, uh, Rihanna in the middle of this sort of forge area. And she is, she hasn't been harmed yet. As far as they can tell from a distance, she has not been completed. She's not been infected. She is just there of her own accord, and she is clearly submitting to Phyrexia. She has given up. She's decided to join the Phyrexians. Why not? They're winners. You know, there's something we'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> something about this story that makes you go, mm, I see what's happening here. I kind of get it. Um, but of course, like, Nayali is there to save her and she can kind of tell it's a trap. It's too quiet. They haven't met any resistance. Uh, and it is, it's a huge trap. And it turns out this is uh, a forge ran by slow That's right. Slow bad. Everyone's favorite goblin from original mirror and block. Uh, he's here. He has become a Phyrexian. He still has some like vocal tics that he used to have when, before he was Phyrexianized. And mm-hmm. uh, he comes out and tells them like, Hey, you know, Niali is here to, or, uh, Rayana and Nayali, I'm getting those names mixed up so much. It's the why. It really is. Um, but Slobat's like, hey, Rayana is here. She's submitting to Phyrexia. You should do the same thing. I think this is the right thing. We want you to be safe and part of our family. And Nayali's like, absolutely not. I'm not going to join Phyrexia. Uh, but you have us trapped here. And if you really are like trying to give us the choice to become Phyrexian, then uh, I'll stay. And you let everyone else go. And Slowbat goes, yeah, sure. Okay. And just lets all the other people that Nayali came with leave and locks Neali up in a cage and says like, hey, watch, I'm going to go complete your friend now. Um, and so Slowbat goes over and starts the completion process for Rayana, And while this is happening, uh, Nayali's phoenix, Othari, arrives. And this phoenix has been a part of the story all the way through here. We're going to go pretty quickly through these. So some details will be left out. Uh, Othari arrives and frees, uh, Neali and Neali leads all these other Mirans who had been captured out of the furnace and they escape leaving Rayana behind as she has given herself to Phyrexia. Um, this was a really cool story and it really was an awesome story to have come out on like the first day or the like second day or whenever this came out of story time for Phyrexia obi One. Because it gave us a really good glimpse of red Phyrexia and what it means to be a red Phyrexian. Uh, and I think it like, kind of colored people's perceptions in a way that might be a little incorrect. Um, the cool thing about this, in my opinion, is that Slowbat is like, hey, you should join us. We're not going to like kidnap you and make you into a Phyrexian against your will. Uh, but you should totally join us because you really want to, because we're like powerful and we're a family and we all love each other. We're a family here. All right. We're a family here.
0: We've got we've got endless breadsticks, we're just like New Cabana.
1: Yeah. So uh, the thing, though, is that, like, these people who are submitting to Red Phyrexia are not actually doing it willingly. And you can say, but they're making the choice to do it you're not really making a choice when you're constantly put in danger and under like your life is at threat every moment of every day. Uh, So that's just my like hop into the discussion about like, Ooh, Urbrask and the red Phyrexians are really cool because they don't like forcibly complete people. They let people submit. Uh, Yeah. It's you're, you're not making a choice here. Like Nayali and, or Rihanna and her mom uh, both submitted to Phyrexia, not because they were like, Ooh, cool, robot bodies. Uh, they submitted to Phyrexian because, because like, they were worn down and beaten down by this constant fear and oppression. So, so uh, yeah, it's a really good story, though. I like the way that it, it sort of shows us this idea of, like, hey, red Phyrexians, better than all the other ones, still really
0: bad. The polite eugenicist is still a eugenicist. Yeah. Which is the the thing about Herbresk's faction is... They're still like, yeah, we should all be Phyrexians. And we're better. But uh Yeah. It's fine though, right? They're still Phyrexians. They're
1: just like I mean like if you have to pick one of the factions, but you uh you do have to pick, is kind of the idea here. They're mm-hmm. they're not they're not um they're they're not like giving these Mirans the option of like having their home back, you know? These, these Phyrexians are not going to just surrender the furnace layer and be like, oh, here you go, Mirans, You can you can have your home back and live happily ever after. They are saying, like, hey, no, this is ours now. And, like, you don't have to assimilate into Phyrexia, but, like, it would make your life so much easier.
0: Well, I, it's less that, like, hey, we're not going to, like, grab you and throw you in a blender and forcibly turn you into a Phyrexian. It's a, hey, you should come and join us. Hey, even if you say no, that's okay. I'm gonna wear you down eventually. Don't worry. I'll convince you one day, in like a really annoying way. Yeah, yeah.
1: I still, I still think they're cooler than the other Phyrexian factions. But like, oh, oh, one hundred percent. Yeah,
0: I think I because th- I I think they take they take an emotionally complicated space that we like literally just don't get with the other Phyrexians either from um, an ideological suppression of emotions that we see in uh, the machine orthodoxy or uh, an intellectual discrediting of emotional value uh, in um, Gene worldviews or the lack of emotional drives and uh, the usurping of those things by um, the, the primal predatory impulses in um, the vicious swarm or the black phyrexians uh, who the thanes the seven thanes all just fighting each other and it's very petty uh, and their lust for power supersedes everything anyway Um, and and so the red phyrexians are the ones who like get to be like hey how how do the machine eugenicists Deal with the fact that there are these metaphysical forces predisposing them to have emotional reactions to things. Uh, there's a great line in the original Planeswalker's Guide to New Phyrexia about them, um, where it's talking about this impulse that arises in Phyrexia, in the in the red uh, Phyrexians, where uh, they will have these emotional reactions that they genuinely feel but don't understand uh and it is really uncomfortable for them sometimes uh or it can make them fly into a violent rage where like hey they'll like ignore Mirans one day and then the next day slaughter them because they don't know why they let them go they literally can't comprehend their own emotional states sometimes and um that's that's cool world building. That makes them really different from the other Phyrexians, and and uh, just just all the faction design in New Phyrexia is really good. But that's a whole other thing, and I'm not going to talk about that any longer because we have other stories to talk about. Yeah, there,
1: there's a lot to talk about about the
0: like way that Red Phyrexia is per, like, presented in this story, and we well, can
1: talk about a lot on our Discord.
0: I just like. I'm a person who can talk about Magic the Gathering lore for eight hours, if you let me. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to be responsible and cut myself off there. Uh, and uh, we, we're not exactly going to go in release order for these because they're side stories and they don't none of these stories connect to each other. Uh, so we're just going to talk about them as they exist. Um, so uh, next up is Hard uh, as Anger, Bright as Joy by linely Hyde, who uh
1: wrote the Dominari
0: united yeah yeah, yeah yeah that was the one i was about to say dominaria i'm like no that was martha wells what was the other dominaria set and dominaria I, well there's I been keep... a lot of dominaria sets but yeah why don't put those two specifically yes uh because they came out in the same i think in the they were, they were both summer sets i think i think so anyway my brain i don't know why my brain mixes them together like constantly i can never remember what dominaria united is called um Anyway, this is the side story uh, uh, about uh, Luca and Nyssa, the two strike team members we didn't really see in the main story. And uh, this is the story where we find out why. Uh, So it begins uh, with them waking up in the hunter's maze. The barrier around new Phyrexia that Elishnorn has uh, erected to interfere with planeswalking has scattered the team, and uh, they have ended up kind of in the smack in the middle of the plane in literally the worst place. Uh, the Hunter's Maze is called a maze because it's literally designed to be really hard to find your way out of, so that anything that is in there stays in there uh, to create this environment of. Uh, hyper-predation and uh, extreme conflict and extreme competition to try to, uh, quote-unquote, naturally select the most powerful and strongest and most vicious and violent Phyrexians. Uh, this is Klecks's ideal of how to make the best Phyrexian, and it's like a personal project, because he thinks he is that Phyrexian, so this is his little hunting ground, his little zone where he can prove that he's the best. Uh which keep keep that one in mind for later. That <laughs> statement in mind for later. Um uh so uh Luca and Nyssa kind of meet up and uh Luca is all well of course they needed me for this team. I'm the only military tactician, and Nyssa is like, oh god, I'm stuck here with this idiot. Um and that's kind of the vibe of their <laughs> connection for this whole story. Um, they really have no idea where to go. Nyssa can't. You know, this is a forest that Nyssa is not comfortable in. Uh, and uh, her ranger ways aren't going to help here. Um, and Luca's like, well, that's fine. We're fighting some Phyrexians. And look, there's another one. I have the ability to form a bond with creatures and know what they know. And so... He reaches out with the Aluta and forms a bond with this Phyrexian Centaur. And Luca's not You know, you know, he's 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 a military guy, he knows tactics, but he's not like emotionally intelligent. Uh, and doesn't really understand that his powers form this two-way empathetic bridge, and it isn't just him dominating wildlife to use them as weapons. So he thinks, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna mentally and magically beat this Phyrexine into submission and then it will lead I can make it lead us out of here uh what's really happening is he is connecting with its mind and its mind is connecting with him and they are influencing each other and sharing uh this kind of psycho-emotional space and so Luca's like great I know how to get us out of here and like, like really
1: He's like Chris Pratt in the Jurassic World movies Ugh. where he's like holding out his hand and somehow yeah. that's like stopping the raptors, except now imagine the movies were good and a raptor just comes out of the side and eats them. Like he's thinking, ah, I'm s- you-, you were answering to my hand, stopping you,
0: except like they're clever girls. Um, and so he has the uh, one of the things I really like is his in- internal monologue, which starts off like. You know, it's a good thing I'm like trained for this. You know, when when Jace recruited me and I was like, yeah, I can do this. And I looked at the group and was like, yeah, I obviously am needed here. But you know what? I'm I'm right. Not only am I needed, I'm the best. In fact, I'm better than everybody else. And uh, Luca's a stinky man and very selfish, but he isn't that kind of needlessly arrogant in a lot of situations he, he generally needs a reason to start being that aggressive at people and the reason is that this phyrexian mental connection is starting to influence him um and so he's saying some things and this is like buddy i'm not sure that's correct but also <laughs> i don't have a lot of options here and you are, like, getting us out of here. So I, I like, d- d- I don't have a choice. And also there's Phyrexians everywhere. They keep getting attacked by different little uh, bestial Pyrexians. Uh So they're, like, climbing vertically up a tree. And Luca, they're, like, riding on the centaur's back. And Luca's, like, uh, they're about to, they're, they get, like, jostled. And Luca's, like, hey, secure me. Don't let me fall off. And, like, all these wires from the centaur just rip through his torso and secure him. And he's like, yeah, this is fine. Uh, And this is, like, grasping onto him, barely able to hold on. And is like, hey, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? It's not great. (laughs) Um, And they continue. Uh, They eventually get off the centaur. And Luca, like, kind of heals back up. And he's like, oh, it's great to feel powerful. Uh and then this is like, hey, wait a sec, why are we walking into this like tunnel covered with these like slimy tentacle things? And then there's this like monster, and they have this big fight, and this is like, hey, this doesn't seem like the correct way to go, Luca. And Luca's like, Oh, but it's obviously the correct way to go. I'm literally leading you to Vorinclex's lair. That's where we're going. Because up ahead is the green Praetor himself. And he's not alone. He's currently in a sparring match with Glissa. Uh, I really like that they have maintained that this weird thing where both Vorinclex and Glissa have some kind of authority in the Vicious Swarm, but it's like never really clear who is in charge. Uh, and they have these like consistent sparring matches where like neither triumphs over the other. Uh, so they both kind of keep existing. Um, and uh the moment two planeswalkers show up, Moore and Kleks and Nyssa look at each other and like, Hey, who are these losers? They're made of flesh. Why are we fighting when we can just kill these losers? Uh and so Nyssa and Glissa start fighting. It's two elves with similar names, and they both have swords. And well, Glissa has a hand sword. Her her hand is a sword. But anyway, it's not confusing. Uh and, and uh Born clicks and Luca are all fighter. Is it Glissa and Luca fight? And
1: it's yeah, a big brawl.
0: Like a- I think they trade partners a couple of points. The important part is that at some point, Luca is like losing his fight and is like, wait a sec. I don't have to just like fight as a dude with a harpoon. And he reaches out to the centaur and is like, Hey, get over here. Augment my fighting ability and let me win this fight. And the centaur, being a amalgamation of metal and necrotic flesh, is like sure, and it like rearranges its body, and all this metal like folds onto Luca, uh, and right, you know, so the the art you see his his card art of the completed Luca, uh, the centaur just kind of like attaches itself to him and gives him the extra arms and like plugs into his body, uh, and he's like, yes, now I am the ultimate fighting thing um and he completes himself uh, <laughs> because uh unlike jerry maguire and whatever the other character in the scene was i, the whole, I don't you know if anyone's going to get that reference regardless do pe- do people not get jerry maguire references anymore the you complete me line I, I i
1: think we might be we might be a little too old for that oh come on that
0: can't be true <laughs>
1: i i understood where you were coming from but i'm sitting here i don't know the average age of our listener base okay
0: you know that's fair um where was i going with this oh you complete me yeah uh he has no one to complete him uh so he completes himself uh <laughs> because <laughs> he's a stinky selfish man and anissa is like actually i think i'm going to go now and, and <laughs> starts fleeing this chamber um And the rest of the three Phyrexians are like, hey, she can't just get away like this. And Luca's like, (laughs) don't worry, boss, I got her. Uh, And and chases after her and with the implication that she's going to get caught and completed.
1: Yeah, you left out a, a part in the story that there's like a couple of scenes where the wanderer flickers in oh that's Um,
0: right yeah early in
1: the story she like shows up for like a second and is like wow this place is really scary y'all be uh careful and then she shows up at the very end to see luca like completed and she goes oh luca (laughs) and then tells nissa to run before
0: disappearing again it's just like (laughs) yeah it's the she does like the sitcom mom like oh luca but like in a (laughs) horror way uh yeah
1: (laughs) it's just really funny because she just she just kind of, like, pops up in the start and is like, wow, this is really dangerous. Y'all need to be really careful. Don't, you know, do anything dumb. And then disappears for the whole story and then shows back up again at the end to see Luca did something really dumb. He didn't do something stupid, he did something arrogant. Oh, that's true. Also, one thing I really loved about this story, and you kind of captured it, is the way that uh, they, like, Luca and Nissa, they run in to Vorinclex and Glissa, but they... Luca's kind of, like, subconsciously leading them towards them the whole time. The, like, bond with the scene is, like, going, like, hey, hey, just keep going this way. Keep going Mm -hmm. this way. And it's, like, very clear they're just going deeper into the maze. Like, Nyssa knows something's up. And then there's the fight between them. And it's, like, Langley writes it in such a way that, like, as the fight is happening, you do kind of lose track of, like, who is fighting who until eventually it's, like, Oh, like, Nissa and Luca are kind of fighting now. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like, really cool the way it's written. Uh-huh. We have another story, another Commander Precon story, called A Hollow Body by Aisha u who who... Uh, u uh Who wrote uh, one of my favorite stories of, like, the past several years, and a really big fan favorite, A Cry of Magic. Um, they also wrote The Edge of the World which is another one of my favorite stories from like Midnight Hunt block uh, about uh, Jacob Hawken. So like two A-plus stories already, and this one is also another A-plus story. This is the story of Ixchel, Ixhel, Ixhel. I don't, it's Phyrexian. I, I can't speak Phyrexian. But uh, it is a story about the poison commander of the commander uh, uh Precons, And it is told entirely in second person which uh, means that you really actually get in the mindset of a Phyrexian. And in uh, this case...
0: Mm-hmm. It's second person present tense, right?
1: Uh, yes, the second person, person present tense. So as you are reading it, it is telling you, like, you spread your wings. Uh, you locate. you fa- it's, it's very much... It, it, it does the effect of making you really take the, the point of view of a Phyrexian. Um, and I love that for it, because it's, this Phyrexian, Yeah, mm,
0: I, I have thoughts about this specific choice. Do the summary, I will say them after.
1: Okay, so this story, tell is a creation of Atraxa. Uh, she is, like, a special angel of Atraxa's designed to just kill. Uh, she's been dispatched to kill a bunch of, like, Miran resistance leaders. She's killed a bunch of, like, Phyrexians, but, like, not really any, like, Big time ones. Uh, She's just out there being sent on these little assassination missions. And this one, this mission is to kill Geth. So we had Slowbat in the previous story. And now we got Geth in this one. Our, you know, other commander story. Uh, And Geth is uh, one of the seven steel thanes. The thane of contracts. Uh, His whole thing is making contracts with people. Uh, So Ixel goes to the Dross Pits. Uh, They're really difficult to navigate. If you're not like from there, and so Ixal ends up getting kind of like not lost. She knows where she's going, but she hits like a wall, and she doesn't know how to get past it. Literally a wall. Uh, yeah. And there's this like helpful little aspirant who might have been a human, might have been an elf at some time. Really unclear. Uh, they're a Phyrexian now, uh, named Balaxis. Uh, and Ixal thinks about killing Balaxis, but, Bala- but Balaxis is like, "Hey, actually, here's how you get through this this wall." And here's how you get into Geth's chambers. And you're going to go fight Geth. And it's going to be, like, really cool uh, for you. Good job. Have fun. So Ixel um, <laughs> goes in there and starts uh, finds Geth in a throne room that's made to look like Elish Norns. Uh, fights him. And uh, Excel is losing. Geth is a very formidable opponent. Ixel has never fought anyone like Geth. She's never had an opponent that was, like, actually probably going to kill her. Uh, and because of that, they get into this like conversation where Geth is like, you've never, you've never had this happen to you before, have you? You've never had to fear death. Aren't you afraid of death? And Exil's like, no, of course not. I'm, I serve the, the machine orthodoxy. I serve Phyrexia. If I die, it's just, you know, I'll be replaced. And Geth's like, come on now. The greatest warriors are the ones who fight because they know to lose is to die. And that's what pushes them forward. That is what keeps a warrior fighting. And Excel's like, yeah, okay, whatever. You're just telling me stuff. And gets getting in her head. Uh, eventually, he makes a mistake, of course. And Excel kills him. And she takes his head. Uh, and then on her way out of the draw spit, she picks up Malaxis and, like, drops him on one of the Dominus. Uh, on, like, the the black Dominus, which I think is really funny. Just just kind of dropping bodies on them. Uh so she, she takes this head and then she goes off and Excel gets in her mind that, you know, she's going to make something special for Atraxa to show her that she's more than just a mindless killing machine. She's here to spread Phyrexia. So Excel creates her own creation, her own Phyrexian monster called Vishgraz, which is an amalgam of like all of her victims. Uh, and then also a little bit of herself. Uh, and also Vishgraz is um, not super stable. And not very pretty. Uh, but she takes Vishgraz up and shows him to Atraxa. And Atraxa's like, ew, gross. This is disgusting. This is an affront to all of Phyrexia. Destroy it. And, and Ixtel's like, really dejected by this and feels pretty bad. And takes Vishgraz out to the, uh, the Dross Pits once more. And is going to kill him. But then kind of does that like, you know, old Yeller thing where it's like, go, get. Get on now. Get out of here. But Vishkraz doesn't leave and is like, hey, you made me. This is this is your choice. You know something. And, and Vishkraz starts speaking with guest voice and is like, you and your people, everything you have set yourselves to do, all of it, it just exists at the whim of a tyrant. Elish Norn or Atraxa could just send you off to your death at any moment. And they wouldn't care at all. And this kind of causes Ixel's reality to break, and she she calls him, she, she looks at Vishkraz and she says, you are, you are not my creation. You are not Geth. You are my first defiance. And uh, that's how the, uh, the story ends with Ixal wanting to follow Vishkraz off into the, the,
0: the Phyrexian wilderness, uh, but not yet. Just, just not quite yet. <sighs> so, slight aside to set up my comment. I once thought about, hey, what would it be like to write sliver fan fiction from within the hive? I was uh, focusing focusing specifically on the chandelier sliver hive in the skep, Um, and you know, what would a day in the life of a sliver be like? How how would you exist? within that kind of hive mind um, and use social society. Um, as much as the chandelier slivers have a society, it sort of is um, just part of why I was interested in specifically those slivers. Uh, and I came down the solution that uh, second person present tense would be the best way to do that, to put the reader in the place of um the protagonist. Talk to them like they are part of this hive. You do these actions. And, and one of the things that that can communicate to a reader is that they are not entirely in control of their actions. By making the reader the protagonist, you're telling them, you're prescribing their actions and thoughts and motivations. Um, so this has a similar effect for Phyrexia, where you are an individual within a world that that isn't a hive mind. Phyrexia doesn't have this mental link like the Slivers do. Uh, but they have a lot of ideal, ideological um what is the, I don't know what the word I'm going for. they are systematically similar to each other in ways that like human societies aren't, that goblin societies aren't. There is not a lot of variation in Phyrexian thought. Um, especially when you're talking about, like, Atraxa and the Will of Elishnorn. You were looking at things through specifically an orthodoxy. That there was doctrine and dogma. Um, you look at the way the oil encodes things. Information um, structures uh, thoughts Ideas, Uh, all of that becomes part of each Phyrexian and has influence on that Phyrexian from without their own mind. Um, And so the second person present tense in the story gets to set up all of that and gets to establish that kind of pressure in a reader. And that's really cool. It's really smart. It's a really hard thing to write. Uh, I never ended up finishing or publishing this uh, fanfic I was working on with the slivers because it was really burdensome to write. It's really challenging. Um, and to make the choice to to write the short story with that is big brained. Just so much respect for Iger for for just making that decision and running with it and succeeding with it. Just, just great.
1: Yeah, this was a, a real home run of a story. It, it, where the, the the story about uh, Neali and the Red Phyrexians gives you an insight into Red Phyrexia. This story gets literally gets you into the headspace of a servant of the machine orthodoxy. And I, I love that. But there's two other stories and we're like already pretty deep into this episode.
0: Oh, right, so we, we I, this is my fault before we started recording i cursed us and said let's make it a short one literally every time we say let's make it a short one it goes on too long so uh i'm gonna uh thankfully i think the two stories we have left are difficult to summarize in a way that will make them shorter uh so let's start with a man of parts by reinhardt suarez uh who wrote the uh present day story for brothers war uh and uh is back to um so, so that story uh, for Brothers War included an episode uh, about Tezzeret bringing Karn to New Phyrexia uh, and, uh, you know, tr- trying to make this deal with Elish Norn so that he could get a dark steel body. Uh, a Man of Parts is the result. Everything Tezzeret has done for New Phyrexia for Elish Norn to aid in her invasion and completion of the multiverse has been a selfish act. He wants an indestructible Dark Steel body. And so, uh, Jink Ataxius finally gives it to him. Uh Tezzeret gets strapped down, his body replaced, uh, there is um kind of a spinal filament of Ethereum. Uh as like his only main weak point, but also is kind of necessary to maintain his control over the body. And Tezzeret wakes up, uh, looks at his looks down on the operating table, sees his dark steel, and is like, yes, finally. And then Jinkataxis Kataxis is like, you know, it usually takes months of bathing in in oil to turn dark steel into blight steel. But I've managed to refine this process and it's gonna go a lot faster. And <laughs> is like wait a sec. that wasn't the deal um and has his little panic moment uh as uh he is being uh he's getting a little bit more than he bargained for uh but there are all these uh like I was about to say test tubes, but they're like giant like uh Sorry. syringes no the 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 two just like the stasis tubes there we go stasis chambers uh, that have like half mangled thyroxines in them. Uh, And Tezzeret is like, ha ha ha, I have Telemann magic. And that gives me some mental control over other beings, especially with metal. Uh, Because Reinhardt's going to have deep cuts. And we're not even going to talk about the planes that get mentioned in this story. I don't even know what they're from offhand. I I would have to look up
1: the story sort of
0: canonizes parts of no, of we'll test. get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll okay. get there. Okay. Don't worry. Um, so Tezzeret reaches out and, uh, mind controls the remnants of this, uh, uh, red Phyrexian that lurches out of this stasis tube and attacks Jink and like, uh, smashes the restraints. Uh, and Tezzeret, uh, planes walks away in the nick of time uh, and he is like, Hey, the Phyrexian invasion is imminent. I really hope the heroes win because I have <laughs> set them up hopefully well enough to do so. Um, and so he goes, <laughs> he starts looking for his old safe houses, um, uh, to see the invasion has started. Um, Phyrexians are starting to appear on other worlds. and He is trying to find one where he can be like left well enough alone. Um, and so he shows up back home in his like childhood home in Tide Hollow on Esper on Alara. Uh, and there's these kids, um, and he's root through, uh, his personal belongings and, um, has a bunch of thoughts about his past with his abusive father and when his mother gets killed and getting tricked by, um, the secrets of Karmot, and it's all Tesseret backstory that gets established in, like, Test of Metal that gets canonized here. Uh, and Reinhardt, if you're listening, I hope you're listening, whoever let you say that Test of Metal was, like, a dream state, thank you <laughs> for, for that explanation. Uh, of like we finally have the test of metal was this kind of mental dreamscape nightmare that Bolus had Tezzeret in, and finally we can stop looking at test of metal and going oh my god what is this how is this supposed to fit in with magic but this can't be canon and it happens in Tezzeret's head, um, finally, um, <laughs> but he so he gives this boy a note and is like hey. You need to take this to Bant and find this guy named Rafik. He's going to have a ton of sigils. Give it to him. Um, Because the Phyrexians start invading Alara. Tezzeret is like, I can't stay here. So he goes to Kamigawa. He's like, man, I hope my uh, hideout here is still okay. And then he gets surrounded by uh, a bunch of Mizumi bikers. And he's like, ha ha ha. You are all all are on metal bicycles and like crumples the bikes and their riders into a big ball of metal and blood. And it's gross, but very Tezzeret. And let me get stabbed in the back uh, by a little ninja boy named Nashi. Uh, Tameo's adopted son, the only survivor of Tezzeret's burning of a village in um, Agents of Artifice. Uh, and Nashi is like, Hey, jerk. That's for my mom. You asshole. And Tezzeret attacks him back, but Nashi is still alive. Thank the Lord. Uh, (laughs) Tezzeret flees again to hide. He's, his goal now is to hopefully just outlast the invasion and pick up, uh, somewhere later. Yeah.
1: He specifically, uh, Tezzeret, uh, kind of just beats up Nashi and is like hey you were asking me about your mom well your mom is still alive and now she's like she's alive and he goes yep and she's gonna come here soon enough and when she does you'll wish she was dead and uh then he leaves I love that part cause I'm a terrible person
0: (laughs) uh huh um it. he names up name drops Baltrice and the (laughs) infinite consortium the Church of the Incarnate Soul, like all this stuff um, from Agents of Artifice. Uh, Reinhardt's great like this. Thank you, Reinhardt. Hopefully you're listening. Uh, yeah, it's great. Um, uh, yeah. And that's the Tezzeret side story. So uh, Tezzeret gets what he wanted. He has a dark steel body now, uh, and he will hopefully survive the invasion in his head. Uh, not me as a listener saying, hey, I hope he survives the invasion. That's not up to me. I don't, I'm in a weird state where I don't like hope for things to happen in Magic Story very often anymore because I tend to just find out through work. But uh, frankly, I like Tezzeret. If he survives, that's great <laughs> for me. I can
1: say as a, just a fan of Magic Story that I hope Tezzeret survives and I hope we get a lot more Hezaret in the future because this was a really really cool story, and I think he was neat, uh, and also his dark steel body, so that's cool. We also have like one last story, and I'm going to be like real with you. This is probably the longest of all of the stories for Phyrexia Obi one Like well, Miguel, Miguel the, it. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's over ten thousand words. I, like, I say that with love. Miguel is wonderful. I love his absolutely writing. this story. So. And one of the things that make this story long and is this story meanders. And I say this as a compliment. This story uh, is about Teferi. Who has I, arrived. We find out where Teferi has arrived after getting lost in time. He is outside of time in Zalfir. Phased out. Uh, and this story meanders and takes its time. Oh my just, god, does it? We just... All these emotional beats settle in. Tezzeret walks from the beach and, like, looks back in time at, like, all these uh, fishing has died down because there's, like, the ocean just stops and there's a gray impenetrable barrier of fog and mist and nobody can find anything beyond it. Uh, And he gets picked up by a caravan and they think he's a murderer. Uh, and he's gonna be, like, bargained, and then they, like, recognize him as Teferi, because these are the people from Zalfir, from the first Pyrexian invasion, who remember Archmage Teferi. Um, and then the military finds him, and it's like, hey, we really hate you, but also you're, like, the one person we need right now. Uh, and he like meditates with like members of the guilds that he set up, uh, and it's just it's it's hard to summarize because not a whole lot narratively happens. Uh, the answer is yeah. the the queen is upset because their amber prisms have started breaking. Uh, Mangara, the villain of the mirage war, has escaped. Or Keravak, yeah. Um, so Mangara is. Well, the one who put him in and was... A... Karavak has escaped. Um, and they trapped someone else. And, and they, they, they tra- Someone yeah. else got into Zalfir. And they've trapped them in Amber. Uh, and Teferi goes and it's the Wanderer. Who has a really weird spark and has somehow showed up in Zalfir. He, even though, like, Tezzerite got their little back end way from... The past <laughs> and the wanderers there from the future, but Zalfir's outside time. It's bizarre. Don't think about it too hard. Um, and yeah. it's like, hey, holy crap, the Phyrexian invasion is happening. Panic time. And Zalfir, this whole time, has been like prepared to fight Phyrexia. That's the state they were left in when Teferi phased them out. Um, and so, like, Teferi gets this renewed energy that, like, hey, Maybe there's hope, maybe we can actually fight back, maybe we can figure this out, and that's kind of narratively what happens. but like I can't summarize the emotional beats of the story. This is the one where I'm like, really, please go read it
1: yeah it's it's genuinely incredible, and like all of the stories are very good. I will not say that any of them are like you know whatever they're they're all very good. This story um made me cry it it gives me chills to think about it it's like ten thousand words and so it has so much space to just explore emotions and character and it's it's just gorgeous miguel killed it um i just i want to read the ending of the story yeah this is this is after um after the wanderer has been like released from the amber prison has told teferi what's happened on phyrexia and how the invasion is happening and how all of the multiverse is now at threat. And Teferi thinks back to all of these people who he has spent time with in Zafir since he's been here, but also people in his past. And he thinks about Esh who had weathered the ages, Oyana who had looked to danger with bravery, Adia who longed to build a peaceful future, Subira whom he had loved, Niambi whom he loved and loved him, Xalphir, with whom he stood, father of the creeds, father of a nation. It's not too late, Teferi said, a fierce grin spreading across his face. The Phyrexians probing through the multiverse had awoken something that their machine minds would learn to fear. Teferi, who would show them that the sun rises in Xalphir. I just God, it's such a good, such a good ending to this story. I am so excited to see where the story
0: goes. Hey, Hey, remember when Teferi was in Ixalan and it had a card, Teferi, who slows the sunset?
1: You mean Inistrad? Yes. Now,
0: now, now he... What did I, did I say? Ixalan. <laughs> oh, I, it, it's... I said, It's look, fine. Um, proper nouns are fake and interchangeable, and you can't make me say them correctly on my own show. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so Teferi isn't just sl- slowing down the inevitable sunset. He is going to raise the sun. And like, what what a great like metaphor change from for his arc. He's he's been one of the big characters in this arc, um, uh, appearing in um, uh, a bunch of the sets, uh, Dominaria and Brothers War, and Innistrad, and uh, uh, in this story here, and that's really good and cool and we're proud of him Mm -hmm. his just ability to sit with grief and shame and hope and have these thoughts and feelings and emotions and (sighs) he is still stuck outside of time though so he hasn't figured that one out
1: uh if only he'd ever learned how to like undo his mistakes if any other kindly planeswalker had ever explained to him how uh, how you can just see this, these tangles in your magic and undo them. Uh, no comment. No comment. Anyways, uh, these stories were really good. I think all of the side stories hit really important emotional notes and story notes that um, really enhanced the main story. In some ways, they were sort of a continuation, but in some ways they were an emotional continuation. Uh, the The final story came out... Uh, of the main story and then i believe it was like the next day we got alone
0: um, uh we, we we got man of parts and alone after the mm-hmm. main story completed yeah
1: and so the main story left us with this huge bummer that like okay the the planeswalkers lost phyrexia is winning the invasion has started uh everyone you loved is dead congratulations um and then man of parts does this thing where it shows us tezzeret who is a vile horrible i want to say human being but i don't know if he's even really a human anymore um he's Darksteel a human being. He's, he's he was a human look yeah. as a
0: transhumanist he's still a human
1: and he is in his own way fighting against phyrexia <laughs> um mm-hmm. he he doesn't want them to win and so you have this sort of stalwart kind of tezzeret being a little a little guy it was just like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out, but like I'm gonna leave this note for this kid and I hope this kid lives. Um, which is, you know, as nice as he can be. Uh, but then you get to Fairy, who doesn't just look at the future terror of Phyrexia and think, oh god, it's all bad, it's all over. He looks at it and goes, you know what, screw that. Zalfir is here. We're gonna, we're going to stop this. And I, I love that. It was a good emotional
0: ending to Phyrexia, all would be one.
1: Yeah. Those are my final thoughts on the story.
0: <laughs> uh, I I don't know that I have final thoughts for the episode. Frankly, I'm fine just getting out of here.
1: You know, and I'm really excited about the fact that in like a week's time, we're going to be hanging
0: out in person. Yeah,
1: we're going to play some some magic cards, maybe.
0: Uh, we I want to you should we should have a podcast commander game in, in one of our hotel rooms at some point. Absolutely. Uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> folks may have seen on Twitter, uh, I have built a commander deck uh, or I'm currently building. Uh, it'll be ready for the event uh, of uh, 100 cards, all of which I've been published on uh, as a name and text writer. Because uh, I was on uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, and there are basic lands with flavor text in that set. So... Uh, I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> for that silly deck. Uh, and, uh, y'all at the event, will have to see what it is, I guess. Uh, I teased, uh, a couple cards on Twitter, but, uh, that's it. Otherwise, um, that's, that's going to do it for this week. Um, we're, we're kind of done with Firexy all will, all will be one. And, uh, ready to, uh, Enjoy this very short interstitial period between this and March of the Machine, because we're going to get our first bit of March of the Machine information at Magic Con Philly as well, the panel directly after ours. Uh, so that's exciting. And if Vorthoses like you out there are excited for a Magic story, conclusion of a big arc, and you love our show, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast and, uh, Put your wallet where your special interest is. Yeah, that makes enough sense for me. Uh, (laughs) For as little as a dollar a month, you can support us on Patreon uh, and help keep the show running. You also get access to our Discord community where Horthoses from around the world are uh, preparing for a lot of things in the near future like March on the Machine and Magic on Philly and the Super Bowl. Go Birds! I'm not really a football fan, but I'm from Philadelphia and I love when Philly sports teams do well because this city loses its freaking mind. I heard I'm that they're so not
1: called the Eagles in Philadelphia that you have to like say like, you have to say like Eagles.
0: Oh, uh, the, the Eagles. Yeah.
1: The Eagles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: it's appropriation of our culture. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> my roommate is Philadelphian.
0: That, okay. That's right. I always forget that. Anyway, uh, Thank you, all our listeners out there and all our patrons on uh, Patreon. We, we love our community. Uh, so thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the Vorthos Cast.